Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by Media Clip, Advertech Printing, and IP Labs. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by Alicia Butler-Pierre, who is the founder and CEO of Equilibria, Inc. in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Alicia. How are you today? I am doing well, Gary, and I love your radio voice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not my normal voice, as you know, but I do turn that up when we get started. It's awesome. <laughs> So tell us a little bit first about Equilibria, what that does, and later on, we're going to get into how it relates to the businesses that listen to this podcast. But first, let's talk about operational excellence. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gary. Let's let's hop right into it. So Equilibria, believe it or not, we've been around for 18 years. And I only look like I'm 16. I'm no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but we've been around for 18 years. And you're exactly right, Gary. We specialize in all things operations, specifically something that we call business infrastructure. And we build this business infrastructure for fast growing, existing small businesses. Right? They're at a crucial point in their in their business where they have maybe more business than they can actually handle. And that's when they realize, Gary, the importance of getting certain processes and systems and just overall structure and organization to their operations in place. And that's our sweet spot. That's where we go in and work our magic and do what we do so that they can successfully scale to the next level. Now, in the photographic industry, as as I was kind of prepping you before the call, we're talking a little bit about the types of businesses that are in the industry. Now, a lot of them have very standardized processes in terms of dealing with, uh, you know, images coming in and they're generally being printed on material and it's whatever. Is there a symptom of an operation that needs help? In other words, where can people identify problems as they happen? Oh gosh, that is that is a great question. I'm so glad you asked that and it was framed perfectly by the way. One major major red flag I should say Gary is audits. A mm-hmm. lot of times companies are audited and and even in the photography business or industry, I'm sure there may be some folks who are listening who are thinking Photographers, photography businesses don't get audited, but if you have employees, you can be audited by the Department of Labor. There's always the ever looming threat of being audited by the IRS, something that we all have to to deal with. That's just one example. Another major example is turnover. Mm. high turnover with your team. Mm. Even if you don't have a team of, let's say, employees, but maybe other independent contractors that you're working with, other people who are part of your ecosystem that you've been working with, and all of a sudden they're all jumping ship, might want to check out the reason, the real reason why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Another red flag is customer complaints. Mm the number of customer complaints exponentially increasing. Those are three major warning signs that, you know what, you probably have more demand than you can actually supply. And we, and hopefully we can actually get into a conversation around the law of supply and demand. But mm-hmm. those are three telltale signs, Gary. And of course, there's, there's many more, but mm-hmm. those are three that we tend to see mm-hmm. quite often. Now, the other thing that may come into play when a, in a, 
photo lab, for example, is uh, sustainability, which again is controlling waste. Is that a measurement that uh, you that someone could look at? We absolutely look at waste, and that actually comes into play when we start looking at how you do what you do. So you were talking about process, something that, and and I'm I don't know if we want to get too much into the weeds with this, but I'll bring it up. It's it's a framework called Lean Six Sigma. So that's something else that I do. I'm sure. a Lean Six Sigma black belt. And that's one of the things we always talk about is let's take a look at the actual process that you're using. Mm-hmm. And there's several processes within your business. Right. There's tech office processes and they're the things that you actually do to deliver the, the images or the, the photographs to your customers or your clients. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we do in Lean Six Sigma is we we it's known as the eight waste. There's literally eight different types of waste that we try to analyze your process okay. for. To see how can we either eliminate it altogether or significantly minimize the impact of that waste? Mm-hmm. And just to give you a really quick example, sure. one of the major types of waste is waiting, mm-hmm. just waiting. Is there something else that could be done as you're waiting? Is there a way to reduce the amount of weight that is embedded within your process? Hmm. Um, motion is another type of waste. A lot of people don't, don't realize that, but motion could, can actually be a wasteful activity. So those those are just, uh, just some really quick hmm. uh, examples of the different types of waste that we can analyze your processes for. So it sounds to me like you have to have an overview of your organization that is almost holistic, but you also have to be able to break it into different segments. That's exactly right. And and for so many of us, especially for those of us that are founders and we're the CEOs, we're in the top position with our within our businesses, we are the visionary big picture thinkers, right? Mm-hmm. Not all of us enjoy getting down into the weeds. We don't want to be on the ground level. That's what we have people for. <laughs> exactly. But as they say, the devil is in the details, right? So even though we may know that about ourselves, mm-hmm. try to align yourself, partner with someone who does like getting into the trenches and rolling up their sleeves and making sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I think that happens with operational problems is you don't always see the symptoms right away. There actually may be trailing indicators where you may have orders going out late or your customer reviews start going down or you know something like that may happen. Your quality may suffer. Um, your maintenance on your machine may be more because you're not using it properly. But by that point, it may often be too late. Uh, possibly. So what are some of the indicators people can use w- during the production key points, maybe things they should be looking for? I think one important thing that we can talk about, Gary, are KPIs, key mm-hmm. performance indicators or metrics. Mm-hmm. Sure. So let's say you have, you've identified all of these different types of processes that you have to have at your company. Even mm-hmm. if you don't have them documented, start thinking what are some of the measures or metrics of success? When you talk about equipment, for example, is there some type of a maintenance schedule that you can come up with 
right. for each type of equipment. You want to try to be as proactive as you possibly can be. I'll go back to uh, my days working as an engineer mm-hmm. <laughs> in oil and gas and, and, and at Monsanto. What That was something that we always did with equipment. We always had dedicated time where we would literally and very intentionally shut down certain certain parts of the operation Mm -hmm. just to be able to proactively take a look at certain equipment, inspect it, make sure that it met certain guidelines and criteria. That way we didn't get caught off guard once we were fully operational again and something broke or malfunctioned. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that maybe your audience could consider doing is, is something very proactive. Yes, it requires a lot of documentation, mm-hmm. but it's better yeah. to be proactive than to have to react to equipment going down because equipment going down means orders start getting backed up, which means once you have the equipment online again, you're tr- you're constantly trying to play catch up. Right. And then all of those problems that we talked about earlier, Gary, your customers being angry, uh, people that you work with on your team, even if they aren't necessarily employees, but other suppliers and vendors that you may work with, everybody is frustrated and aggravated with you. Um, so it just, it can have a domino effect. So to the best extent possible, try to be proactive, start thinking ahead of time, mm-hmm. what could go wrong? <laughs> There's a tool that we use. This is another Lean Six Sigma tool. It's called the FMEA. It stands for Failure Modes and Effects Analysis. And literally, Gary, it's you taking a look at, let's say, um, forgive. Actually, could you you just kind of throw out the name of a typical process within photography? Oh, uh, finishing. You're putting a... uh... Uh, you're putting a canvas wrap on a frame. That would be a a, a, okay. a, a, a part of the process of creating a canvas print is you're actually uh, putting the canvas, the printed canvas onto the frame. Okay. So let's say I actually work with you and I ask you in painstaking detail, Gary, tell me exactly how you do that. But mm-hmm. I'm also making observations and I'm jotting down everything that you not only say, but everything that I watch you do. Because mm-hmm. if I, if you were to document that process yourself, Gary, you what you might document as 10 steps, I mm-hmm. might document as 30. Mm-hmm. Because we want our processes to be so detailed that once we hand it off to someone else who's potentially never done that work before, mm-hmm. can within reason produce the same result as though you yourself did it, Gary. Mm-hmm. So What I would then do is once I have your process fully documented and we've tested it to make sure that it actually works, I would then do this FMEA exercise. And it's literally me poking holes in the process and saying, where can this break? Where Mm -hmm. can something go wrong? And if it does go wrong, what would be the mitigation or the mitigative activities that we would undergo to Mm -hmm. fix it? So again, it's it's your way of trying to be proactive about, all right, there nothing is ever perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And right. if it is perfect, something could go wrong. Right, exactly. <laughs> down the line. And so you just want to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to be prepared for when things do break and when things do go wrong, especially when you're dealing with physical, tangible things, equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But even even 
digital things, software. We all know software is technology is great when it works, but when mm-hmm. it doesn't, oh man. <laughs> when your microphone isn't plugged in properly. Exactly like me. <laughs> How do you deal with maybe in a situation where you get maybe a person in the production environment who kind of feels ownership over this process, they feel then, you know, we've always done it this way. And, you know, it's really the best it can be. I mean, and you sort of have this ingrained philosophy, right? Because, I mean, that does happen in a lot of organizations, especially in the photographic industry, where you have people, you want them to feel ownership over their job, right? You want them to be invested in it, but they're almost too invested in the sense that they think they are the sole authorities on that topic. Mm. One good way, and you'll appreciate this, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Right, So one of my favorite, favorite, favorite tools in the world of operations and process and business Mm -hmm. infrastructure is process mapping or flow charting. It's Mm -hmm. a fancier way of saying a flow chart. But I always encourage people for a person like that, that die hard, you know, I'm not changing. It's always worked this way. Mm -hmm. Don't fix something that isn't broken. Get those people involved in actually mapping out what they do. So those step-by-step procedures that we were talking about before, Gary, imagine converting that into a flow chart of some sort. But we're going to take it a step further. We're actually going to associate a time involved with every single step that is written in that process. Mm -hmm. And when you have that illustrative, more pictorial view of what your process actually looks like, that's when you start noticing, gosh, there's a lot of time spent just waiting. Right. How can we streamline that? Is -hmm. is it possible to incorporate some level of automation? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that we can do some things in parallel instead of doing, you know, waiting before step B can start, you have to do step A. Is it possible to do steps B and C at the same time? When you have that picture mm-hmm. and you have the person that <laughs> that is is so resistant to the change being a participant in that mapping process, sure. I guarantee you, you will get them not only involved, they have a way of wanting to actually figure out how can we do more with mm-hmm. less? Mm-hmm. How can we speed this process up? As long as you give these top-down directives, yes, people will, and that this goes for anyone, people mm. will be resistant to the change. But the more you can incorporate people into the change and not let them know, hey, I want to change this process. I think there's a way we can do this quicker, faster, better, cheaper, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just say, hey, you know, I, well, I want to start documenting these processes, um, and I'd love for you to get a, to be a part of this. Let's start mapping this out together. Let's figure out how long is it really taking us to do this? Mm-hmm. What if we could shave that time by another 15%? Does that mean we can bring in even more business during the fourth mm-hmm. quarter of the year when that seems to be our peak season? Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. But 15% reduction in the time that it takes us to do certain things, mm-hmm. how much more business can we take in and not mm-hmm. have to turn away business because of the fact that we're at capacity. Or in the other hand, it might actually support this person's contention that maybe they are doing it right or what have you. And that, that's you know, true that too. justifying their case is that they're exactly, this, this is the best way to do it or what exactly. it does put some quantifiable data behind that. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Great point. 
So what are some of the, you mentioned digital tools. Are there digital tools that businesses can use to kind of monitor their processes that are readily available? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Photo retailers, energize your sales with ShareMeChat, the proven texting platform. Using chat to text on your website keeps your customers connected and buying. See us at Pro and IPI to find out why dealers using ShareMeChat close more sales without adding staff. Find out more at ShareMe.chat. If you're looking for something like templates, mm-hmm. there is a tool called Process Street okay. where they have some ready-made processes that you can just go and download. And of course, you can you have to customize them for your sure, sure, sure. But when it comes to actually storing processes, making processes highly visible, there's a tool that I love, Gary. My team and I, we use. It's called Notion. Have you okay. heard of it? I think I have actually. Not sure how I do that. I think with your with your photographer's eye, I think <laughs> you would really like Notion because it's so visual. Okay. It's not like a Dropbox or a Google Docs where, excuse me, a Google Drive where when you mm-hmm. upload something, you just see a bunch of at at best you see a folder icon. Right, right, right. Notion actually makes it actually takes thumbnail images. For example, if you were to upload. If you wanted to upload images and share those with your clients, some of your customers, you could actually create a web, it, it, ha- it would give you the ability to create something that that's almost comparable to a web page. Mm-hmm. Sure. Share that specifically with that particular customer. And then when you're ready to cut off their access, you can, you can also make it to, to where they can view it only. They can't actually download anything. So you still have that right, you know, those protection rights. Um, mm-hmm. And if they haven't paid for the, the pictures right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. or the, the images, but um, it, it has been a game changer for us. It, we actually use it as a, part CRM, so part customer relationship management database, as well as a a tool for managing our projects, Mm -hmm. but also a repository for our processes. Mm -hmm. So it's very visual. It it literally is an operating platform. It's an operating system and we love it. And, And Gary, the most beautiful thing is it integrates with so many other applications that you might already be using. So where would somebody find that? And I'm where would somebody find more information about that? If you're and you and you're not getting paid for this, right? It's just something. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I believe in it that much. No, <laughs> no affiliation whatsoever. No affiliate sales, marketing, none of that stuff. Right. It's notion.com. So N-O-T-I-O-N dot com. Okay. Now let's talk about scale in terms of the type of businesses. Because I always hear things when I talk to a smaller retailer who maybe it's a photo lab or something. He says, Well, I don't need to do this stuff because I'm not that big. And then you talk to bigger, you know, places with 40 or 50 employees, and they said, Well, we're just too busy for that. And of course, I think the bigger people do do this, right? The hundred million dollar, you know, or in bigger organizations have kind of got this done. But in terms of how people can benefit truly businesses of all sizes. Is that correct? I mean, you shouldn't, even if you are that small one store place, one location place, you should be looking at something like this. 
Absolutely, because it directly impacts customer experience. And that's why we're all, if without our customers, we would we would not have a business. Mm-hmm. So uh, something that I always, uh, I always try to position operations and its importance, you know, I try to frame it or anchor it against marketing because marketing gets so much of our attention, right? Yeah, so, exactly. and, 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 and rightfully so, because mm-hmm. you have to, you know, even when I was looking at your website, Gary, I was like, oh, wow, look at these pictures. Like, oh my gosh, your website is amazing. Um, and and so it, it instantly drew me in. I was like, okay, yeah, it makes sense that you are in the line of work that you're in because the images were all so sharp and crisp and beautiful and very attractive. And now I'm trying to figure out, can Gary help me redesign my book cover? You know, so so it it did what it was. It it had the intended effect. So marketing draws or lures our customers to us, potential mm-hmm. customers. Operations keeps them there. Operations, if marketing makes the promise, operations ensures that you can deliver on that promise. Right. So if you promise your customer, you know what I can have, I will I will come and photograph your special event. I will be at your son's graduation ceremony, your daughter's wedding, your dog's whatever. Um, <laughs> and I can I can turn that around in less than 72 hours. I can have proofs ready for you to, to view or maybe right. something shorter. Operationally, you better make sure right. that whatever is going on behind the curtain or under the hood, you better make sure that you can deliver on that promise. And that's what operations does for you. Whether you are one person show or operation or a 150 person operation, operations ensures mm-hmm. a positive, consistent, reliable customer experience. Mm-hmm. And it ensures that you can deliver on the promises that you make on the sales and marketing side. You know, I think you've hit on an interesting point because there's almost a natural tension in a business for the sales and marketing side to basically say almost anything to get business, right? <laughs> right. Whether it's consumer marketing, like our, you know, our French fries are the greatest in the planet. So you want to drive <laughs> traffic so people order, you know, more McDonald's French fries or whatnot versus, you know, the operational standpoint of, you know, well, we've got to make all those things and deliver the hot fries and the, with the salt and all the sodium and all the terrible stuff that are involved there. And so there is almost like, attention there where you know sales and marketing are making promises that operations have to deliver and sometimes they throw each other under under the bus they do and i i i'm going to repeat something that a client told me years ago and i thought it was so brilliant she said you know sales and marketing they're so busy selling they're busy selling the dream but us folks here in operations have to deal with the nightmare (laughs) <laughs> and that nightmare is, oh my God, you said you could do what by when? Right. Holy crap, let's let's make sure we can make that happen and and deliver something that is high quality. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right. we can always get it out there quickly, but it doesn't right. mean that it's it's good, right? Yeah. Um, and that is the challenge. But that but so how how do you coach organizations that are running into that problem? Because I imagine you know, you're coming in there as an operation, lean six sigma black belt, you're ready to chop down those operational <laughs> inefficiencies and you know and kickstart the operation. I don't know what other martial arts 
things to say on that, but I'm working on it. But on the other hand, I mean, you've got, there's got to be peace between those things. And, you know, like I said, in a lot of cases, there, there is a, you know, a natural conflict, but sometimes it gets really bad. I and mean, I've seen it in organizations where, you know, literally the salespeople will, will, will demean their production department because they haven't delivered. But in, 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 in maybe in that case, it's the salesperson who didn't do a great job of prepping the order or or getting enough information to set up operations for success. It's primarily because of silos. Mm-hmm. And these silos literally hamper visibility. Mm-hmm. So the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Right. So that's why the left hand can say things and the right hand is saying, wait a minute, I can't, we can't deliver on that. Right. I'll give a, a I'll share a really quick example. Years sure. ago, I remember ordering a custom sofa, custom made mm-hmm. sofa here where I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember the salesperson, she was great. She was very knowledgeable about all the products. She was able to help me pick out the right fabrics and all these kinds of things. She actually sketched out the sofa. It was amazing. And then came the million dollar question. Okay, besides cost, mm-hmm. when, when will this be ready, Jenny? I'll never forget, Jenny Delara. When will this be ready, Jenny? And she said, well, I have to be honest with you. It's going to take somewhere between eight to 12 weeks. Oh my God. Now, the reason why that's important, Gary, is she could have easily said, oh, you know what? Um, at three weeks tops, you know, just, yeah, to right. sale, just to make sure she made the sale. But she's because she knew what what goes on in production and she knew that certain it, the, the lead time that it would take to source certain materials. Sure. Because she had that knowledge and that insight and that visibility into the production side, she knew, okay, I better not say something that's wrong and then really piss this customer off and she'll never do business with us again. Let me at least be upfront and tell Mm. her, Mm. listen, it's it's not going to be fast, but hey, and, and she cleaned it up so nicely. She was like, you know, but you know what? Good things come to those who wait. And I was like, you know what, Jenny, you're right. And I'm willing to wait. (laughs) So I think by having that level of transparency across the business, Mm -hmm. it's not just, we're we're talking about sales and marketing versus operations, but it's all areas of the business. Right. Going on from a compliance perspective, things that are going on from an HR perspective, accounting and finance, all of these different divisions or departments of your company do they really know what's going on right. in those other areas of the business? And mm-hmm. that's, we have some very specific exercises that we do with companies, Gary, to tear down those walls, to tear down those silos and create that level of visibility and transparency that may not be there. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, I mean, that obviously something like that is not a one-time process, right? Oh, no, it's not going not at all. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Indeed it is. And and you'll you'll love this. We use we use very simple analog tools, <laughs> stick figures and index cards. I, I, I'm for those who don't have the benefit of seeing me, I'm literally holding up right now a laminated stick figure right. that that enables me to write down the name of a particular role or a position. Mm-hmm. And you would be amazed, Gary, at how effective 
just tools as simple as stick figures and index cards are mm -hmm. at helping people, helping to tear down those walls and those silos that we're talking about, because we're getting people in the same room at the same time, having conversations that they've never had before. Right. Hey, Gary, I didn't realize you did that. Well, right. I didn't realize you were doing that. We're doing that too. Sometimes you realize there's duplication of effort. Right. Sometimes there are things that nobody's doing, but somebody should be doing. <laughs> right. for, for example, what would that be? I'm just curious, like, have you run into a situation where they've realized there's, you know, a process that should be happening that's not? Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. I'm trying to, th there's a client that I'm working with right now, and we recently had a conversation. It had to do with something compliance related mm -hmm. because they have a certain certification for the line of work that they're in. Sure. And the question came up, well, who's, who's making sure that that certification is being renewed annually? Well, aren't you doing it so-and-so? Well, no, I don't look at that. I thought you were doing it. Well, I'm not doing any of the service. And that's, that's, really, that's really important because this literally helps them secure certain types of contracts. Sure. Their business. Um, but but no one had their eye on it. They they landed the state, they, they received the certification, but no one actually stepped up to make sure that the certification is renewed right so yeah that makes sense because i can there's a lot of uh you know government contracts or things like exactly that you may be uh, applying for that they have to be again renewed yes or, and or, that's that's exactly the space that they're operating <laughs> in is is the government contracting and so they work so and that's something that happens often we work so hard to land that client right and then once we have that client something something like renewing the certification that we can just completely forget about it because we've mm -hmm. spent so much of our effort trying to land and score that big client that once we have them, we immediately just start doing the work mm -hmm. and delivering the work. But then on the back end, we forget to do something to make sure that we can continue filling our pipeline with that kind of work. Because yeah, that is one of the things I think where people have a maybe have a project mentality as opposed to an ongoing business mentality, right? Project mentality is, you know, we got to get the meet this deadline to get the certification so we can bid on this contract and get this business. And once we cross that line, we're kind of done, right? And but it's right. but it's not an ongoing business process where it's okay. In six months, we got to start the review process to renew that. Exactly. So imagine. You know, the in fact, the federal government is the largest vendor, I believe, of of small businesses. They sure. they do more business with small businesses than any other entity or organ type of organization. So imagine if you scored 
the opportunity to photograph a president or to be the, the president's uh, private, I don't know what that role is, but I know every president has a photographer, right? That right, follows, yeah. follows him or her, hopefully mm-hmm. one day in the future <laughs> around. Um, but imagine you score that, you score that contract, but I would imagine there's certain, especially when we're talking about the government, there's certain, there's all kinds of paperwork and oh, certain sure. security clearances that you have to have and you have to all of that stuff has to be maintained. Sure. In the post-COVID world, we kind of had a, a challenge with supply chain issues, right? With especially in the photography industry, people couldn't get paper, they couldn't get this, couldn't get circuit boards to repair their equipment or whatever. And hopefully now that we're in a post-COVID world, that has kind of gone away. But still, it's kind of raised the awareness of how what gaps in the supply chain can do. Are there any lessons from that experience you think people should be aware of? One important lesson is I'm going to throw out the name of another tool <laughs> that I think everyone should it, it would it would behoove every listener mm-hmm. to at least start thinking along these lines. One of the tools is called a business continuity plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So remember that FMEA that we talked about earlier, sure. yeah. identifying all of these, you know, you're basically playing devil's advocate with your, your day-to-day operations. The business continuity plan, Gary says, okay, well, what if there is a fire? What if there is a major supply chain disruption? What if there is theft? Mm-hmm. What if the, it, any of these catastrophic events that can cause a significant disruption to your ability to operate your business? What if that happens? What would you do? Right. How would you make sure that you get online and back and fully functioning and operational w- as quickly as possible? That's what this kind of plan does for you. And there's many templates. In fact, I can. I'm more than happy to share a template with your with your audience that they can download. The other tool is called a disaster recovery tool, and it's it's a lot. It it, it kind of goes hand in hand with that business continuity sure. plan. Again, if there is a pandemic, if there's a fire, theft, mm. flood, earthquake, we saw what you know. We see what's going on in Hawaii right now. Who would have ever thought? Mm-hmm. wildfires would completely consume many of their islands. I mean, it, it's it's incomprehensible to me, but it's it's happened. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and lives have been lost. Businesses have been destroyed. And who who knows what, what other repercussions have happened as a result of that. But it's it's our way of trying to, again, think ahead of sure. the, the not so pleasant stuff. But yeah. But seriously, if it does happen, what would you do? Right. Yeah. And even the case of, you know, let's say just your normal, you know, photo lab where you may have a key component like paper, you know, the supplier may go out of business, which is what happened recently with photographic paper. So people had to switch to another supplier and then, you know, their pricing was different. So how is that going to affect the entire operation? Now you have to explain your price increase to your customer. Well, no, you got to eat it. That's just how it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's probably what happened. Is, uh... But, but, but yes, that, that's that's those are all scenarios that are worth taking that are very real and very possible. 
mm-hmm. um, that that deserve to be thought through, you know, like right. it's, it's just taking the time to do it, which is one of those things where, you know, I find that, you know, in the business world, you tend to have and people with entrepreneurial mentalities, they tend to gravitate towards like the fun stuff they like to do. Like, that's if, right. If, you know, they're more marketing or promotion focused. They tend to focus on that. Or if they're operations focused, they tend to focus on that or everything like that. So it, it, if, if you are that more marketing person, you need to figure out the operation size or get someone who can help you. And you know, you know, you just reminded me of something that I used to tell people often is think of all of this stuff that we're talking about, Gary, is, is really like an extension of your, your business's insurance policy. Sure. Yeah. All of these things, you know, it's not fun talking about, or or even from an individual or personal perspective, it's not fun talking about life insurance, mm. having your will, your trust, you know, estate planning, all of these different things, because you're talking right. about your death, basically, and what will happen in the event of your death. So, but let's put a, a more positive spin on it on the business side and say, okay, well, if there, if something does happen, we want to know that we have certain measures in Mm -hmm. place, certain safeguards in place that we can Mm -hmm. actually implement right away the Mm -hmm. moment something happens. Um, It's better to be caught, as as the saying goes, it's always better to be caught with a plan than without. So so that's why all of this matters. And it does take time. And it's not always the most fun thing to talk about. It isn't, but, but Gary, we have to we have to do it. Exactly. And that's why that's why I use these fun little tools like stick figures <laughs> and things like that to try to make it fun. Right. And to try to get people through it as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean it is like you said and actually this may be a case where and again this is not a, you know, no compensation on my end, no plugs here, but you should talk to your local insurance agent about some of those possibilities because they may actually have some suggestions to either mitigate these problems or provide coverage for them. Absolutely. And your attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A business attorney as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the Smooth Operator Masterclass. This is something you actually offer. So we are going to do a plug here uh, for for this. So go to town. Tell me a little bit about that, about this offering you have that can help people uh, run their business better. So this is our way, Gary, of scaling what we do because we can't be one-on-one with everyone as mm-hmm. much as we would love to be able to spend that kind of quality time with everyone that's out there that that's interested in these services we simply can't right. so this is the next best thing it actually builds off of the book that i wrote which is called behind the facade how to structure company operations for sustainable success mm-hmm. in this course it's not some dry mundane talking head just kind of spitting out information and you just sit there and you you watch and you listen. No, these are all these interactive exercises that I've been describing throughout this interview with the stick figures, the index cards. And for those who are listening, you may be wondering, what is she talking about? How do you even do that? <laughs> this course actually shows you how to do it. You can get, you can actually purchase these stick figures. You can download all kinds of templates, templates for creating your processes, templates for creating your job job descriptions, your organizational chart, all of those operational things that you need in place as you continue building and expanding your team. 
They have to know what work to do, how to perform that work, and how the work is organized. And that's what this course gives them. And where would someone go to get more information on this course? Smoothoperator.courses. Oh, okay. Yes, smoothoperator.courses. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, Alicia, for your time and your expertise. I know there's a lot of folks listening to this who are going to want to check that out because I know it's uh, something everyone uh, can benefit from, but it's almost like going to the doctor. You don't always like to do it. So hopefully you make it fun is what I'm hoping for. It does. At least that's what I'm told by <laughs> by clients that that it's fun. Okay. So, uh, but thank you so much, Gary. I appreciate you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.